0: A quick announcement before we begin this week's episode. I'm pressing pause on my interview series and conversation so that I can put my time and focus toward a course I'm in the midst of creating and hopefully will be launching in June called Motherment. Motherment is a mind-body-soul embodiment container teaching stay-at-home seasoned mothers how to mother themselves and in doing so, connect them back to self. I still plan to continue sharing serial episodes of my memoir until it's complete. Season two will wrap sometime in April, and then I'll take a couple of months to prepare for season three, and the story's final section on the soul. All right, now on to this week's episode. (laughs) Forbidden Food, March 2013, Napomo, California, six weeks until my mother's death age 30. There was Campbell's chicken noodle soup in my parents' kitchen cabinet. I should have known it would be the last time I visited my mother alive. Mom, 12, 13, 14-year-old me begged, can I please? I skipped ahead down the wide aisle at the big Kroger in our area, grabbed a plastic bottle of Hidden Valley Ranch off the shelf of commercial salad dressings and held it out to her. "'Oh, Jazzy,' she said it like she wished it was different. "'You know it has MSG, and it's really not good for you.' It was the late 90s, and natural salad dressing was lagging, but I put the bottle back and listened to my mother. She wasn't a fearmonger. She always just stated things as facts, and she was right. It wasn't good for me. I'd start reacting to MSG and other food preservatives within the next five years, but then, although I believed her— I didn't think it was that big of a deal because I hadn't had any personal experience to prove that it was. And then from one extreme to the next, MSG had somehow infiltrated their house. And not just that, but preservatives and artificial flavorings. The one small can held nearly every ingredient my mother vehemently opposed. Mom, what is this? I held up the offender that might as well have had the toxic symbol in place of the ingredient list. It's chicken soup she answered, like nothing was amiss. By then, my mother was wheelchair-bound, and they couldn't visit us anymore. We'd just arrived, making the long drive south so they could meet Violet for the first time, who was six weeks old. With two young children in tow, I wasn't expected to cook and care for my mother like I had been in the past. But when we were all together, I still would make most of the meals, and the first thing to do after greetings was to survey the pantry and fridge. Yes, but like, why? Why do you have this? I wanted some chicken soup and asked the visiting angel to get whatever kind is their favorite. No longer touring Frank Lloyd Wright architecture on their tandem bicycle, or flying overseas, my parents had sold their Airstream a couple years prior after my mother stopped being able to travel as easily, and my father had turned into full-time caregiver. I'm not sure him caring for her with almost no help was the plan, as there didn't seem to be one other than to react to the next thing my mother's body stopped being able to do on its own. I do know when we arrived, it was apparent by the way a thick blanket of fatigue and despair rounded his shoulders, as if they held a constant physical weight, that her disease was slowly killing him too, his face drawn with purplish circles under his eyes, his hair had turned fully silver and was unintentionally shaggy, overdue for a cut. Their emotional reality reflected in his physical form was like he had aged more in three months than the previous decade. My enmeshment with them would have had me in the middle of their dynamic, sacrificing my needs for their own, but the distance combined with the addition of a newborn cut any strings I felt responsible for, except just because I couldn't do anything to mend their situation didn't mean the witnessing was any less painful. Their lack of consistent support was a complicated mixture of my mother sitting in an in-between state with her disease, overall control within the household, with her body, her expectations, and denial that she needed any assistance that wasn't from family to begin with. But after many years of failed attempts, she became handicapped and sick enough for them to hire some part-time in-home help. The organization was called Visiting Angels, and women came to hospice patients to aid with the cooking, laundry, some light cleaning and grocery shopping. But perhaps most importantly, they were company for my mother, who was not only isolated from the outside world, but lonely within herself. She'd been doing her whole life, filled with constant vision and stamina. Being not just handicapped but physically sick meant she could only be her pain body and mortality her main companions. But as was her disposition, she took something super sad and shitty, the reality that she was completely dependent on another, and found her enjoyment in it. Her most favorite part, when one of the angels visited, was to sit in the kitchen and boss them around the stove, Cut the vegetables this way, season like that, saute for a few minutes in the pan, scrape the skin off first, then face down in the oven. Except my mother never called it bossing, she called it teaching, like she was doing them a favor, imparting them with kitchen life skills, which, no matter how it was being received, made it infinitely satisfying to her. I knew she influenced the angels, but I didn't realize as they cared for her, she allowed them to leave an impression on her too receiving mothering in her final days. But there's MSG in here, I continued with the soup debate. You're allergic to MSG, I reminded her as if somehow she'd forgotten. Her parents was foreign. She didn't wear a new name, but pillars of her previous identity had been stripped away. Some of her alterations she chose within our limited options. Where she had always prized long hair, she had short, spiky hair because it was easier for my dad to groom. Instead of her tight-fitting wardrobe, Her uniform became soft, loose clothing. While other changes happened to her, her skin had turned mottled in place of her perpetual youth. Her chest was sunken where her breasts were always a perfect size after a breast reduction in her 20s. With the soup can still in hand, she sort of looked at me and smiled with a whole mouth of manufactured teeth, like, yeah, and so what? I guess I do now. As it happens, MSG was the least of her worries. Outside of euthanasia, there's not usually a death date, so none of us knew, but my mother would be dead in just over a month. Mostly affecting adults in their 40s, I was young to be part of the sandwich generation, tasked with caring for young children and aging parents at the same time. And while both experiences carry a universal current, it's an unknown path based not only on our family dynamic, but also a unique blueprint for our evolution as an individual i was pushed against my growth edge for a prolonged period of time a slice of bread on the bottom another on top once my mother died the layers i'd been grasping in between fell apart except even leveled and undone i continued as i had been blindly choosing the known martyrdom and pleasing and freely giving my power away The American Tibetan Buddhist, Pema Chodron, says, Nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. Going back, I've said, I wish they'd live closer to amenities. I wish we'd hired more help and sooner. I wish we had bi-monthly family therapy so we could have talked through the coming week's obstacles and made informed decisions. And for me, I wish I'd had a stable mom community and less distance between family. I wish I'd had my own therapy. Someone to validate what I was experiencing, who could have offered insight and tools. I wish I'd had a co-care person in my own home, when I trusted, where I could lie down and know it was safe to sleep and process and be for as long as needed because the girls were being cared for also. But I'm not sure any of it would have mattered, because there's no shortcut through our soul journey. I still would have met my growth edge and been asked to keep going. Within the years of rock bottoms and the subsequent pain of transformation, I discovered the lessons that were waiting for me, the ones that would have continued as they did or have come in a different form until I was ready to see that the me I'd been seeking my whole life and then expecting others to fill for the material and physical to satiate the emotional and spiritual could only be found from within. I want to use the pain to soften me, I want to soften until there's no division between us. I want to use the pain to open me. I want to open until we can meet in the middle. I want to use the pain to change me. I want to change so I can let you stay the same and still only love you. I'm Jasmine Rasmussen, author and narrator of Saved, a memoir on purpose. Join me weekly for an oral telling of my novel written in verse and prose broken into short digestible episodes. I'll guide you through my journey back to self. Click the link below to subscribe or go to jasminealiyarasmussen.substack.com to find out more.